What's going on, everybody? Welcome to People Playing Games, a show all about the people who make the world of games awesome. And joining me today is a good friend of mine. He's a senior editor at Geek.com. He's changed everything you thought you knew about Street Sharks. I would go as far as to say he's a master of memes. Jordan Miner, how's it going, my friend? Oh, that's a really um, interesting introduction. I was at um I was at a party the other night where someone was <laughs> was intro me to people in the exact same kind of way. <laughs> so, I, I feel like ever since the Street Sharks thing, like that's that's you're the Street Sharks guy. Yeah, I mean it was the one year anniversary a few days ago. So. Yeah, con- congratulations. Yeah, that thanks. Was, uh, I guess. That was a hell of a story, and we'll definitely uh, we'll talk about the the story behind all that later on. Uh, but yeah, Jordan, how how are things going lately? I know now is probably a pretty crazy time to be covering games and and geek stuff. Yeah, uh, just getting ready to go to E3. Um, it's my second year going out, so it's a little less, you know, no, a little bit more to expect this time, but it doesn't make it any less stressful. Also, I feel like no one's going to know what this one's going to be like since the public's going to be there. So I'm just trying to make sure I can spend as little time on the show floor as possible, which means yeah. just trying to trying to get appointments all set up. But yeah, I was going to ask how you feel about that because um, I think it's I think it's going to be pretty wild this year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, luckily, you know. When you're media, you mostly have appointments anyway, so it's just a matter of, you know, taking an extra two hours to, to actually get from one room to another. I'm going to get off my plane and not even go to my hotel. I'm going to immediately go to a, like an appointment after I get off the plane and then go to my hotel. Nice. Yeah, Whoa. that that sure sounds like an E3 trip. Yeah. But that's like, that's days away. You know who's thinking about that now? Yeah. Um, yeah, God, we have what? Yeah, maybe a week or so. Um, but yeah, so, uh, speaking of games, our first segment here, uh, we are going to go through your gaming history a bit. So this is called first favorite worst. So I want to know about the first game you ever played your favorite game of all time and what you think is the worst game you ever played. Interesting. Um, I'm playing games like my entire life, but I'm also like disgustingly young. Um, but it was definitely had to be something on the Super Nintendo because that's the first console I remember playing at all. Um, so I'm not entirely sure what the first one would have been, but that first sort of collection of games that it was because my sister is a few years older than me. She was into games. Um, it, was, it was it was her Super Nintendo. But that first collection of games, it was stuff like Mario All Stars and World, and like NBA Jam and the Super Nintendo Mortal Kombat and like Contra Three. Um, so it was just, it's just those collectively, I guess, maybe is. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I, I'm kind of, you know, I, I specifically, I usually say Street Fighter 2, but it really mm-hmm. was just kind of the Super Nintendo as a whole. That the first system I really remember playing. Yeah. Something like that. Or like even like Donkey Kong Country or something. But, um, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think Contra 3 is a, is a cool answer. That's, so a, that's a great, yeah. Let's that's, go, that's let's canon. go with that. Yeah. That's canon. It's a canon answer. The Alien Wars. Um, so, <laughs> so favorite game now? Yeah, favorite game. Okay, uh, this awesome, it's, um, this goes back and forth, but I think I have to say StarCraft. I think StarCraft is like a borderline perfect video game. Um, it's just the, it's like a sequel to chess. Like they, they made it. <laughs> they made chess better. They made chess a lot better. Like it's what, even like, even when I was playing it like as a kid and which is like really, just extremely bad at it. I just, I just adored that game. And it's the only it's the only esport I'm making just sneer quotes. It's the only esport I can watch and just not want to just like. 
and just not find it like just super boring or super pretentious. Like I just find I think StarCraft is a fascinating game. Um, Do you keep up with it with all the new expansions and everything? Yeah. So at PC Mag, it was the only game I gave five stars. Was that last expansion? Um, all right. Because I, I play Protoss, but um, I mean, I mean, by the end, it sort of trailed off because you can tell even Blizzard themselves didn't really care about it as much because this MOBAs took it over, and that's a thing I hate too. But when when uh, on the lead up to two, I got really back into it. Like things like there are ways like when I played Starcraft for so long, there are specific ways in which my eyes get like twitchy and bloodshot that I hadn't experienced in like since playing the first Starcraft. <laughs> so it was like a really like nostalgic ailment. Yeah. So like, yeah, just yeah. The joys just, of sleep deprivation. Yeah, and just yeah, just you know, watching all these what's this, like Husky Starcraft and HD Starcraft, and just like getting really back into like trying to follow the meta in a real way. Um, so yes, I love Starcraft. But my other one I would go to is also Super Smash Brothers, but I don't, I can't pick a uh, particular one. Ooh, I, I was like gonna this, ask. Yeah, I like the series as a whole. Um. I'm definitely not one of those people that's like, oh, Melee's the only good one because it's Melee's a great game, and I get I get what they like about it, and but they made other good ones after that too. I um, I personally think that uh, Smash Four is the best Smash. Yeah, it's it's really good. It has like the best roster in a fighting game. Yeah, it's, it's literally like if if, yeah. if like twelve year old me designed a fighting game and and picked the character roster, uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty much what that would be. Plus stuff like you know Bayonetta and. Um, all the Fire Emblem characters. Yeah, uh, yeah. like, I just wish they would put Snake back in it, but yeah, like, Bayonetta in the game is so cool and, like, kind of, like, dangerous and transgressive feeling. Yeah, like, like Smash, just... Smash just got real sexual out of nowhere. Right, here's, like, here's this dominatrix beating up all these cartoon characters. Yeah, why, why am I turned on right now? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I just, I really, you know, there's, there's this whole argument about oh, whether or not Smash is a fighting game, and what I appreciate about, like, I like fighting games. I like Street Fighter and Marvel and all that, but I just kind of reject this idea that this sort of arbitrary difficulty in execution is important. Like, I really don't care. I don't, if, if fighting games decided tomorrow that, you know, we're just going to make it a button to do fireball. Like, I don't find any value in the fireball motion. Like, yes. the value to me is knowing when to, like, when to use a move, not some sort of arbitrary skill healing and just doing the move and having it respond when you want to. Absolutely. Um, um, so that's what. Yeah, that's why I like that's why I like about Smash Brothers is that it doesn't it just start from a foundation of not caring about stuff like that. Yeah, I I I will admit I I love Smash I always have but I did have a brief period I think when I was like hardcore into getting into competitive Street Fighter where I did kind of consider Smash like more of a party game and then actually starting to follow the scene and just mm-hmm. seeing it played at a high level it's like yeah uh, just because it's maybe slightly simpler in execution I mean that game at a high level is to me as exciting as as any other fighting game yeah and it's just so and just it's just so it's just so feature rich like that especially of the wii version like this yeah. that whole insane story mode they had and just all just all the trophies and all mm-hmm. this the kind of it's just the, just the presentation like i've been playing a lot of injustice too yeah same here i just wish that and it looks like tekken 7 is kind of doing this as well but i just wish all fighting games like there are things fighting games could do to sort of beyond just the base fighting to sort of like justify themselves as $60 sort of triple a games in terms of like what they could put in the package mm-hmm. that I, I feel like some other games like street fighter five, um, don't do the ways that they could be doing. Yeah. Oh God. We, we can, we could spend the whole episode talking about this. Um, cause yeah, Tekken seven is another great example. I've been playing that 
and it is like it's just a legitimately good video game there's a lot of cool content there story mode is complete anime insanity but it's <laughs> i i'm you know there's it's there it's an actual you know there's actual yeah. single player content yeah, yeah, that's great. And yeah, it just seems like, yeah, they're all, I think they're all, it's just crazy that it's taken this long for them to be, because like, the Injustice guys, never, that, Netherrealm, they've been doing that since like, that Mortal Kombat DC crossover kind of had a story mode yeah. like that. Yeah. So, it's good to see other people catching up. Absolutely. Um, so, worst game I've played? Yeah. Oh, this, okay, this is a tough one, because I used to be um i used to work for an iphone gaming website for like four years and uh, last time i checked i reviewed like 300 games there <laughs> i'm sure all of them were great oh like mobile games i think are both like really underrated like there's some really excellent mobile games that people don't check out because they're like oh it's a phone game but also way worse than people who don't pay attention to it like even realize like, oh yeah um, like there's such, there's really, and the, the problem is, is the audience just demands it. Like any, t- any, if you just want to charge what your game is worth, then it's rejected. <laughs> but then, yeah, you the, just the rea- like the reaction to Super Mario Run, yeah, um, people were like offended that it cost ten dollars for a video game. Yeah, and so like it's just so I, I don't know how you make that scene better. But the worst game I can think of, it probably would have been something like from from those days. I want to say it was this game, I think it was called Ling's Cars, and it was kind of like a really, really terrible, like, burnout crash mode that was an advertisement for, like, this UK car dealership, (laughs) and it had, like, this whole weird, like, Tim and Eric kind of, like, public access vibe, but I don't think it was intentional. I think it was just like, oh, well, we are this weird dealership, so let's put, like, slap together this, like, (laughs) excuse for a video game and put it on the iPhone. Um, so, so I found that game super fascinating. Yeah, but that's, that sounds really fascinating. Terrible. Yeah, it's like outsider art. Man, yeah, there's 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 so much weird stuff on mobile. Yeah. I love when people share those memes and just those screenshots. Like, you look at the top games, and it's just the same angry guy from Clash of Clans. Yeah. Just slight variations on it. Yes, it's the trash. It's, uh, it's beautiful and, yeah. and horrible. Oh man, so uh, switching gears to your career, obviously today you're the senior editor at Geek.com, so when did you uh, first decide that you want to write about video games? Oh, probably since I knew that was a thing that a person could do, honestly. Um, I started um, really getting into, so, alright, so so I'm 25, I started really, like, following games coverage seriously around like 2003 4 era like the first E3 I saw was 2004 when they announced the DS like it was the DS was the first kind of game thing I was aware of before it had like come out or like really been talked about like in the mainstream mm-hmm. um so that's when I kind of that's when I first like sort of subscribing to magazines like um it wasn't EGM but it was EGM's like weird EB games specific magazine that they did I think it was called GMR I vaguely um, remember that yeah, so I subscribed to that, and I started reading IGN and GameSpot and all that, and just being like, these are, this is a job that people have. And I'd always been interested in writing, like even divorced from video games. Like if I decide tomorrow that I hate video games, I'd probably still be writing in some capacity. Um, so that was always the thing I was into. And so at a point, it just sort of made sense to be like, well, if I can combine these things um, and get video games for free, then that <laughs> seems like a winning strategy for the rest of my life. Oh yes. So, um, yeah, just throughout high school, 
I, you know, I started doing freelance stuff or not even just like working for free blogs. That was, that was, it was perfect. It was free writing and I was really terrible at writing. So, Oh yeah. That's how, that's <laughs> no. how we all started. Right. Uh, so I did that throughout high school and then toward the end of high school, uh, I started getting, you know, some paid stuff. Um, and then I went to Northwestern University in Chicago for journalism school is, is the best journalism school I would say. And, and many others would say, um, and because of that, it attracts a lot of people that want to be really super serious journalists. Like, oh, I want to go cover a war and get my head chopped off, <laughs> or I want to, you know, be, cover financial markets and totally, you know, provide cover for people ruining the economy. Um, <laughs> and you want to write about video games? Or about video games, and it ended up being great because that was me and like two other people, maybe. So there was like no competition. Like I have no journalist friends. Well, I mean, at school, you're you're my friend and you're a journalist. Um, Thank you. I have no, that. I have no friends from journalism school because we were all just so competitive, trying to like scoop each other. But because I was in a field, I was just covering things like this thing where they weren't interested, and in. we could we could talk to each other and be supportive of each other, and because not feel like we were like getting each other's way. Like um, a few, my few friends of mine, we entered like a just like a like a college journalism contest, and we all won because we all entered in different fields. Huh. We could all be supportive of each other because like oh I read I wrote this thing about Chicago indie games, and my friend wrote about like. How our school's campus in the Middle East is totally corrupt. And it's like, it's <laughs> no. great. We both have the same award. Yeah, not too much overlap there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I went to the school for journalism. I was still doing some freelance stuff, more freelance stuff while I was doing that. And then the way journalism school at Northwestern Medill is a school, uh, the way it's set up, uh, senior year, you have to do something called a journalism residency, which is basically they set you up with a publication to do like an internship for a, a semester or we were on the quarter system. And so they set me up with PC magazine uh, here in New York. And so I was out here for three months kind of doing everything, but also be like trying to do as much games coverage as I could. Um, and I had a really great time. I, I think I, I mean, I must have impressed my bosses because um, I did that. I had a year left of school. I did a little more freelance was living at home for a while. And then I just got hired by PC mag and because PC Mag is Ziff Davis, which also owns Geek.com, eventually I moved over to Geek.com because I, you know, we all felt that that was a better use of uh, my talents. And also when I was freelancing in between the internship and working at PC Mag, I did some freelance for Geek as well. Sweet. That's uh. So yeah, you pretty much went went right into it from college. There wasn't really yeah. a, a lull. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was nice because I was because I'm I'm from New Jersey. I'm just like I don't I'm not looking to stay here. Right. <laughs> yeah, nothing good happens there. Um, so yeah, now and it seems like you've you know you've worked your way up uh, pretty quickly, and now you're the senior editor there. So what's what's kind of a typical day like as Geek.com senior editor? Um. So the way so it's a it's a small staff of on staff people. We have um, our boss, but he's part of Ziff Davis as a whole. So he's not just he, he you know he cares about Geek, but it's not all that he does. Because so our managing editor Sheila Valari, she's great. Um. So she's the one dealing. Well, most of our writers are freelancers, so she's the one dealing with the freelancers. And so I'm kind of left to my own devices. Like I have my schedule. I have my own documents I keep to myself about here are the kind, types of stories I want to write. Um. That I sort of pluck from. But from there, I can kind of just do whatever. Um, so I try to – like I'm there to write kind of more longer feature things and not just sort of just kind of – like I'm there like, – not just like new stuff. Like I'm there to write kind of longer features that are sort of like providing examples of what the voice of the site is. Right. Um, so like today, I'm 
today. So I do a column called Game of the Year, where every week I pick a new Game of the Year, um, because that's just that's such a valuable thing that we do is give out Game of the Year because new one every week. Who cares? Of course, it's, yeah. It's, it's, what's, what's time? Right. Uh, but you know, I tried like that's kind of like an esoteric thing, but I try to keep it sort of timely as well. So like Vanquish just came out on PC. Um, and I played that for the first time. Like, this game's great. It came out six years ago, but it's great, and I just played it. So now it's the game, game of the year. year. It's game of the year this week. <laughs> I really enjoy your, uh, your Switch games that aren't Zelda column. Right, so that's a column designed totally just to win internet fights. Like, <laughs> people are gonna be like, oh, Zelda's the only game on the Switch. Well, let me put, let me, um, point, point you to this link where I talk about all these games that aren't that. And it's also a really convenient way to get codes when I can tell publishers, hey, like, and here's how I'm going to talk about your game. Exactly. Um, but, um, so yeah, I do, you know, yeah, things like that I've scheduled out throughout, you know, cause that's a, those are recurring columns. I can, I can come back to those. Um, but yeah, like even like I'll try to take something newsworthy and sort of spin like a bigger feature out of it. It's like the story I'm working on now. Um, it's, it's not finished yet, but like they're turning King of Kong into a musical. And so I'm like, well, what other wacky events, like real life gaming history events would make good musicals? Um, so there's a, it's going to be a list of like, they should totally turn, um, like the Gizmondo drama into a musical or like, you know, when the Xbox DRM stuff got totally reserved, reversed, oh that's, God. that's like crazy and operatic. I would pay so much money for you know, like Don Matrick, the musical. Yeah. He just starts belting it out about how he's <laughs> leaving to go to Zynga. <laughs> uh, sports. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, so I'm mostly writing, but you know, sometimes when we kind of brainstorm about like other stuff that other writers could be doing, or just to kind of solve like, um, a creative problem for this, for the site. If, if, if my boss who has a question about how to approach like a creative problem usually come to me or, you know, when Sheila's out, I can also just run the site and edit and kind of schedule things out sort of as backup. Sweet. Sounds like a good time. Does it ever get just hectic or, or overwhelming or is it pretty chill? Um, the thing is because I'm so like, the freedom is great, but it's also kind of, it kind of vague. Um, so my kind of looming fear is like, what if I just don't have something to write or what if I don't know anything to write? Cause there's not a lot of structure. Um, so that's when I kind of don't mind when I kind of get recurring assignments. Like a, a big push we're doing now is reviewing streaming services. Mm-hmm. Um, Things like DirecTV Now and um, Amazon Channels and like Crunchyroll and Funimation and like you know those aren't those are a little less fun than some of the stuff I write but like I, I they're they're fine and I like doing them and that's the thing like well if I can't think of anything at least it's the thing that I have to do that I don't have to like come up with um, so kind of having that blend of like assignments and then being able to come up with what I want is a pretty interesting balance. Awesome and uh, you know speaking of these great features and these long form pieces. Uh, it's time to talk about street sharks. Oh boy. It's awesome. So yeah, about uh, a year ago this time, right? Yep. Uh, you posted uh, this, uh, this huge masterpiece, basically uh, admitting that what a lot of people knew about street sharks was just a big, a bunch of internet lies that you made up. They sure were. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's going to be like, just recap that or? Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. yeah. Give us, give okay. us the full backstory. So, okay. There's so much. There's so many places to, there are so many places I could begin this. <laughs> um, so let's say in like 2003 or some, I don't actually know when, which is perfect, but around that time, I'm in middle school or something 
And there's this website called TVTome.com, which is kind of like a Wikipedia for TV shows. And in order to edit the big shows, you have to like apply for it and prove why you're credible to edit that show. But for a show like Street Sharks that no one cares about at all, uh, anyone could be the editor. So I applied to be the editor and no use. I use, you know, I watch the show. It's a teenage, uh, it's a teenage mutant Ninja Turtles ripoff. I watched the show. I had some toys and whatever. I remembered some real facts about it, but I, you, I put some of those facts in, but then I just made up like whole other characters, like a female street shark or like a whole story arc where Fonzie shows up and it's Henry Winkler. And I just <laughs> wrote, I just wrote all these fake episodes and plots and details and just kind of thought nothing of it. Um, and then, but then at some point, TV Tome gets bought by TV.com, um, CBS's own TV.com, which is a much bigger site. And they take sort of all that data, they take that entire database, including these Street Sharks laws. And from there, it just proliferates throughout the internet. Like IMDb gets it. And, um, you know, Wikipedia had it for a bit, but they were, ironically, they were the one of the faster ones to clean it up. Um, there was a point where Netflix, let you watch the actual show. They had the real episode streaming, and yet their descriptions were all the fake stuff that I wrote, and they had the <laughs> fake people in the cast. <laughs> and so people are seeing this, and they're just getting like confused. Like on the IMDb message boards, they're like, "What? I don't. What's what's happening? Like, I don't. I don't know what this is." Or they're doing junk like, "Oh yeah, I remember like the Shiva saga on VHS. It was my favorite." Like, no, it isn't. I made that up. Like, why are you going? Why are you going along with the lie? Right. Like, who are you impressing? Like, people um, are remembering the Sinbad Shazam movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I would think it's a little less racist than that. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I, that's true. Um, I can get But, yeah, it's, it's, in, it's just people being really confused or just not – or, like, people on Twitter being like, oh, I had no idea Henry Winkler was in it. Like, I read this think piece about Henry Winkler's career and that used his appearance on Street Sharks as some sort of example of his career declining. And it's oh, like, well, that didn't God. happen. <laughs> so so yeah you know i kind of i just kind of spend these few a few years just kind of like checking on that every few years and cataloging it and having it be a really great icebreaker at parties what was um, your what was your immediate reaction when you saw like you were having this ripple effect on the internet of of street sharks fans well it was such a slow burn because like it would be it would be one one year it's like oh people are confused on imdb and then the next year it's like oh netflix has it and then the next year Oh, this Hammer Winkler. Like, it just it starts, it gets, it was like a beautiful tree that I planted for myself that just kept, like, getting bigger and bearing more fruit. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sort of, I'm sort of cataloging these things. I'm taking screenshots. I'm like, there's no way this can last. Like, eventually people will start cleaning this up, right? Um, so I, I catalog some stuff. I tell it to some friends. And I tell it, the very last day of my internship at PC Mag, I tell it to the people there. Because I'm like, I don't want to, you know, journalists are supposed to tell the truth, right? So I don't want to start off this, my first real professional journalism gig being like, so here's how I'm a, how I'm a famous liar, right? <laughs> um, but last day in my internship, I told some people, and they thought it was hysterical and were angry that I didn't tell it sooner. Um, so maybe that's why they hired me, was just to get that back in their lives. They, they really, they once they found that out, they knew that story had to happen. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why I moved to Geek, because that's a story that makes more sense on that site than it did. Like, the first month I was on Geek full-time, that was like the – that it went up. Um, yeah. Because you're not going to put that on your website. I love PC Mag. It's a great site, and I had a great time there. But it's, that doesn't make sense on your website about printer reviews. Um, <laughs> exactly. It'd be slightly out of place. Yeah. Just as important, but a little – yeah, a little out of place. 
Yeah, so yeah, so I, I wrote the story then because of you know I was on Geek. That'll be a splashy way to interest. But also like you know again I've been cataloging the story for years, and at a, at a point it's sort of like at it peaked. It wasn't becoming there weren't new ridiculous things happening, and enough people had sort of vaguely caught on that I could sense that it was in the downswing. So I should reveal it now while enough of it was still live that people could go check it for themselves and be like. Okay. Like you could type in like the day before the story went up, you could type in Street Sharks cast on Google and Google's little autocomplete like module would show fake stuff. And then like the day after that was all scrubbed clean. So you could see it change in real time. Um But yeah, that's the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever done. So you finally write the story. Did you, what what were some of the reactions you got to it? Oh boy. Well, um it was real great to become news and not just report it. Um, the story got picked up all these places, got picked up on Gawker. It got picked up on Vox who got some of the details wrong, which is kind of great and really fitting for the story. Oh yeah. Um, the AV club and like screen crush. Um, one of the voice actors from street sharks reached out to us and was like, um, he was a really good sport about it. And he was like, Oh, this answers all my questions. <laughs> um, one of the dudes that's in Ham, one of the dudes that was in like the first, I think the guy that plays the king in Hamilton, yeah. was actually in Street Sharks, wow. and I remembered that. Um, but people thought that was fake, and it wasn't. Like that, the people who thought, people who thought that fake stuff, or people who thought that real stuff was fake, was really good because then it was like, I guess I was pretty good at coming up with things that sounded plausible. Right. Um, the episode where the sharks scare a little girl into a coma totally would have happened in your children's <laughs> show. <laughs> Um, we did a fan art contest and got some really cool stuff from that. So like our legal team was like, we can do this contest as long as they draw characters that you made up. Cause then there's no like legal claim to it. Cause that's just, you know, fan fiction. Of course. Um, we ended up talking to the people that own the street sharks brand. Um, wow. <laughs> like currently, um, you know, nothing has come of that yet, but that was real great that we got to use their time in that way. That's yeah, it's pretty incredible. They haven't approached you to uh, to write a new season yet. Uh, not yet, but the offer offer's still on the table. Um, <laughs> they know who they know who I am. They have my email. Um, it was because it, it was the company that like bought all like like all the de- like all the assets that of the the previous company that owned it. So they just had all these brands they didn't know they had even. Um, so there's that. All those all the all the all these sites picked it up. Um, I did some other interviews like this. Um, I ended up talking to a literary agent who I'm now working with wow. for some some other projects of mine. So that's really exciting. Um, I can't talk too much about that yet, but hopefully something very exciting will come of that pretty soon. Wow! So this the story kind of changed your career in in a couple in a couple ways. Yeah, I was kind of coasting on that for a while at the site. <laughs> <laughs> I have, um, that's me. I'm the Street Sharks guy. Yeah. So is that, uh, is that how you introduce yourself at parties now? Well, that's how other people introduce me now. I mean, that's <laughs> how you did. That's how my agent did at this party we were at last night. Yeah. That's how, like, because it was, it was right before E3 that year. I was going out to my first E3. Yeah. So that was a, a great way to make that less awkward. Um, you know what? No one will forget you if, if that's how, you know, that's how you present yourself. Yeah. Um, it's real funny. My mother is a judge, and so when I told her about this, she was very hesitant again about me being a famous liar. So uh, anything that can mitigate that is a win in my book. <laughs> that is that's incredible. So I mean, that seems 
that seems pretty hard to top. But do you have any other stories you've done at Geek that you're you're especially proud of? Um, well, let's you know, let's head over. Let's go to www.geek.com. Let's do it. So, you know, the thing I did recently this year I'm very proud of. Um, all throughout February, I was writing a bunch of features about Black History Month and how it relates to geek culture. Um, I'm a black guy. I don't know if that comes across in my voice or not. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, you know, I, we did a lot of stuff that, that there in that arena that I thought a lot of sites like us weren't doing. Um, I wrote about, like, how Static Shock is the best black Spider-Man or how, like, Jerry Lawson pioneering cartridge technology. You can trace that now to the Switch having cartridges. Or, you know, about how, um, this wasn't in February, but like kind of my conflicted thoughts on the Luke Cage show. I was really proud of how that piece turned out. Um, stuff like how I think Black Manta is a really underrated character or a character who has a lot of dramatic potential that they're not using over at DC. Um, how Adult Swim has been, you know, low key a really great network for sort of black comedy. Um, so yeah, that was, that was an ongoing project I, I was really proud of. Um, just just terms of the wide variety of stories and just a way a type of stories that other people weren't writing. The way our like tagging system works is that if you click on the tag, the this the um the site it brings you to is the latest in that tag. So it's like oh the latest in movies, the latest in comics, the latest in tech. Um and so all those stories are just tagged black people. So if you type to, to click on that tag, the top of the page just says the latest in black people. That's that's amazing. And it's the best page on our site, I think. So. Um, so yeah, something I, that's something I'm proud of. I'm proud of. Um, I just like to write just just really weird stuff, like an explainer on like vaporwave music, or uh, yeah, or just like weird Simpsons memes, or like um, that those Neil Ciega albums where he mashes up like Smash Mouth with every song ever. Um, like I think the funniest jokes are jokes that are for great for like exactly one person. Which isn't always the best traffic strategy, but it makes me really happy. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so if I can sort of meet a middle ground between something that's kind of like, oh, I'm writing about Star Wars, like, because everyone loves Star Wars, and I love Star Wars, but, you know, it's Star Wars. But I can write something like, here's how George Lucas is cooler than Star Wars, because he eats, like, mall food court noodles, even though he has, <laughs> like, $3 billion. Right. Then, um, why, why, why she Palpatine is the greatest Star Wars character. Yeah, stuff like that. Like, that, yeah, if we can all sort of... That's, I mean, that's what we're trying to do on the site, you know? Like, cover these these topics that are big and are important, but um, just bring a different kind of voice to it. Because um, otherwise, I just that's the only way to kind of make it entertaining for everyone, and you know? So I think readers can tell. Like, readers will click on things that are just, like the standard like oh here's this thing that's happening but they i think even they'll know they don't get as much out of it if it's uh, compared to something that i think is entertaining to read or is like pres- you know presenting like a real kind of viewpoint right um so that's the kind of thing that i try to do awesome so you're making all this really cool content uh do you have any major inspirations uh when it comes to kind of uh what what fuels your writing Oh, um, like other kinds of, like other sites or other uh, writers? Other, yeah, or, other writers, other publications. Hmm. Well, not so much writing, but we've been doing a lot of video streams recently, and I think the sort of platonic ideal site when it comes to video is uh, Giant Bomb. Um, I really hate most YouTubers. I think, I don't understand how anyone could watch that stuff, 
But I think what Giant Bomb does with their, I mean, they're they're essentially doing let's plays, but they, I don't know, maybe it's just because they're not kids streaking, not with or, dyed hair and just very caffeinated. Yeah, I don't know, or just how they are as personalities, but just the way <laughs> they do it, I just find um really compelling and sort of what I try to model our own streaming stuff after. It's funny, um, Giant Bomb's East Coast office is a floor beneath us. So I'll like run into Vinny and Alex and Dan sometimes and just be like, yep, I'm also in this field. <laughs> just say that right to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I, I'm, I totally agree with you. There is, there's just something, you know, with like their quick looks and stuff, there's something genuine about it uh, where it's very funny because it's, it's just those dudes sitting on a couch playing games. Mm-hmm. It's no real, you know, gimmick to it. Um, and in terms of writers, uh, you know, Evan Narciss over at io9, I'm a big fan of. Um, Austin Walker at Waypoint, I think, is one of the smartest dudes writing about games. Um, I'm a fan of, um, you know, not so much games, but like Todd Vanderworth at Vox. Uh, you know, at AV Club before that, I was a fan of his, his stuff. Um, I'm very into on twitter.com like people like Merrick Copus. Um, but I don't know. It's so weird. Like I feel kind of bad, but you know, the more I get into writing for my own site, I feel like I pay a little bit less attention to other sites, I guess. Yeah. I talked to, like I interacted with the writers more on Twitter than I do by reading their stuff, but right. Um, I don't cool. know. Maybe I'm just that. Inside. Maybe I'm just that. Like you, you do. You have one successful story about street sharks, and it just all goes to your head. Or maybe I'm just so that I'm just so that ensconced in my own brand that like, oh, I'm not <laughs> even gonna deal with this. Or even like other brands in our company. So like, Zip Davis owns IGN, right? Um, and they're cool. You know, we get we're going to their party eighty three because we have to, um, <laughs> of course. But even that can get kind of weird. Like it's like this whole other thing, even though it's all. Even though I have like an IGN email address, like I'm not. That's you, you guys are doing your thing and keep doing it. But um. I'm sorry about that. I accidentally uh, is that the arms? Theme yes, song? I'm. I'm so glad you noticed that with it. With with <laughs> within two seconds of hearing it, I'm a I'm Shazam, but for Nintendo theme songs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have been playing Arms. It's very good. Me too. We're probably we're gonna, we're gonna play it tomorrow on our stream. Um, oh sweet! Do you get your um neon yellow Joy-Con? No, I'm glad they're doing that though. And mm-hmm. if if they do uh, something similarly like weird for Splatoon, I I totally want in on that. They did. I think they did. I, I know in Japan that. it's coming. I hope it's coming oh, here. Okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing the whole like pink and green, whatever you know, the Splatoon colors are. Yeah, I got my yellow ones today. And it, my Switch looks like a little bumblebee. It's very cute. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um. But yeah, arms arms is very good. I think you'll probably. <laughs> it uh, is. Yeah, you'll be hearing a lot about it, I think, next week. But, um, but yeah, uh, that about does it for my questions. Uh, anything you, any shout-outs you want to give? Do you want to talk about any stuff you're working on right now? Um, so you're preparing for geek, uh, for E3 is the big thing right now. Uh, just trying to get appointments ready. Um, you know, tomorrow on Facebook, on Geek's Facebook page, we're going to do our, um, our, our stream that we do every week. It's going to be ARMS and probably Street Fighter 2. Um, I would, I would love to talk about this thing I'm working on with this agent, but I'm, I'm not, I shouldn't really yet. But when I do, that'll be over on Twitter.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is Jordan W. Minor. 
Uh, Jordan liked the basketball player. W like that one awful president, but not the most awful president, it seems. And minor like a child is how I <laughs> describe it. That's good. It. That's yeah, you nailed it. Three for three. That, that's a little. Uh, I workshop that one a little bit when I was last time I was at E3 last year. I was on the Spawn on Me podcast. I don't know if you listen to that or know about that. Um, I'm not not sure if I've heard of it. Um, I was I was on the yeah with um I was on the Spawn on Me podcast and that's when I first busted that out and that seemed to play really well. So I'm using I'm using it again here on this other podcast I'm on. I like it. It's concise. It's it's accurate. Yeah, it's political. It's um, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, yeah, just, yeah, just getting ready for E3, that's the big thing right now. Um, and, you know, have my, like, all, you know, even like meetings I'm taking now are stuff where it's like stuff that's under embargo until E3, so. Yeah, pretty much for any, anybody remotely involved in like games media right now, just everyone's life is under embargo. I don't think yeah. I could even tell you what I'm having for lunch tomorrow. Oh, is it a, is it a, is it a Scorpio lunch? Is it? The Scorpio is just um, it's just a you know a hungry man meal in a box. You put it in a microwave and you get a 4K Salisbury steak. Yes, with six teraflops. Yep. That's good. That's like that's the seasoning. That's very yummy. Delicious. <laughs> well, I guess you know, I guess we can never cover Microsoft again. Sorry. Yeah, uh, that's it. Broken. Um, yeah. Too bad. It's going to be a yummy sandwich though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, people can yeah follow me on Twitter there, geek.com is where all my stuff goes. Um, Facebook Geek where we do our streams, and that's pretty much all the avenues for my content. Awesome. Well, to everyone listening at home, definitely check out all of Jordan's stuff. It's great. I'm not just saying that; cause he's my friend. Uh, definitely, especially read the Street Shark story. It's it's uh it's an emotional journey. And uh, yeah, Jordan, thanks so much for stopping by. This has been super fun. Oh, it was fun. great. I love talking about myself. And, it's fun, right? It's 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 yeah. a good thing to do once in a while. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, for, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and for everyone listening at home, this has been people playing games. We are on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. Uh, we're on pretty much every podcast service out there. You could follow us on Twitter at PPG Podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Andronico, and I think that's all the plugs I have. Uh, so Jordan, thanks again for stopping by. Thank you. And uh, for everyone else out there, have a great week and uh, keep on playing. Peace.